You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Welcome to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ, 750 AM, 312-255-8408. And I'm Father Greg Sackowitz, Rector of Holy Name Cathedral, co-host Mark Teresi, the Executive Director. You can also get us on YouTube.com slash Catholic Chicago. Good morning, Mark. How are you doing? Good morning. Very good. Very good. I made my ritualistic trip to Dinkle's Bakery yesterday. <laughs> They're closing after... 100 years. They're a great neighborhood. That's right. There's a big article about them in the uh, Sun-Times earlier this week or last week. And it's hard to believe, Mark, that six weeks ago yesterday, Ash Wednesday. Yeah, unbelievable. And all of a sudden you go from Ash Wednesday and today is Holy Thursday. The time has just flown. And uh, yesterday was, of course, horrible weather. And today, much more spring-like. But again, in Chicago, I think we go from winter to summer where the fall seems to be a fall, but not much of a spring. And Easter isn't pretty much the latest it can be this year? The latest it can be, I think, is April 25th, and the earliest is March 23rd. We'll find out today on our We're going to find out today. We've got a great, great <laughs> program lined up again, 312-255-8408 on Catholic Chicago, WNDZ, 750 AM. It's Holy Week. Joining us to break down the days of Holy Week leading up to Easter the Director of the Office for Divine Worship, Todd Williamson, Senior Coordinator of Liturgy and Music. We have Wendy Silhavy, and Liturgical Resource Coordinator, Carmen Oreo. In this first segment, we will take a close look at the Triduum. So first of all, to Todd and to Wendy and Carmen, good morning welcome. and welcome to all of you. Good morning, Father. Good morning, good morning Mark. All your smiley faces and, uh, <laughs> you know, first of all, Todd, you have been the Senior Director or the director of the Office of Divine Worship for how many years? Uh, 23rd year now. 23rd year. And before you took this position, what were you doing? I was a pastoral associate at uh, St. Anne Parish down in Lansing, Illinois. Oh, wow. Oh, really? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was there for seven years. No kidding. Now, Wendy, before you joined the team at the Office of Divine Worship, what was your ministry? I actually moved here from uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, so I worked at a parish uh, in Minnesota. I'm a Minnesotan by by birth, um, but my husband's from Chicago, so we uh, moved back here to be closer to family, and um, I'm so happy to be working with ODW. Now, Wendy, are you a Minnesota Vikings football fan? Or twins? Well, you'll have to talk to other people in the Department for Parish Life and Vitality because I'm really a Packers fan. Oh, and, oh, oh. <laughs> Wendy, that's ow, even worse. Ow, 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 Wendy. Michael and Javi, 
Can you delete Wendy from the and screen? And thus endeth the interview. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you for joining us, Wendy. Oh, my God. Packer, you could just at least make me happy and say sort of a Vikings fan. How about you, Carmen? Well, before you joined the team, what was your ministry? Uh, I was uh, director of catechesis in several parishes, San Adalbert, uh, San Simon, El Apostle, of Grace. Oh. And then you've been with the Office of Divine Worship for how long? Four years. Four years now. Beautiful. It probably feels yes. like about 20. No, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> and now, uh, I know Mark has a great opening question for one of you. It seems so simple, yeah. but I'd be interested in hearing the answer. It's very timely. Uh, I was walking into work with one of my colleagues, and I had brought cookies from Dinkles to put on the table. And as she walked in the kitchen, she said, oh, I gave up sweets for Lent. She said, but now it's the triduum. I, am I okay? And I said, <laughs> well, I said, well, I'll find out today on the radio, and I'll, I'll let you know. So maybe uh, legalistic. <laughs> legalistic. <laughs> She'd still be fine because we're in Lent until uh, nightfall. But now, okay, now, now this is very interesting that we sometimes just take for granted. We talk about the Triduum, meaning three, the three high holy days. But as a little boy once pointed out to me, he says, well, you know, Father Greg, you talk about the Triduum as being three days, but he counted Thursday, Friday, <laughs> Saturday, Sunday, he said those are four days. You talk about the Triduum being three days. So maybe explain to our listeners officially when does Holy Thursday begin and, and take that little cycle for us. Well, the the whole day is is Holy Thursday, right? I mean, correct. And it begins and it be, and it begins um, at uh, at the start of the day. Um, but with the Triduum, with the three days. And, and I think this is such a fascinating aspect of um, what we believe about Triduum. Th th like you said, Father Greg, they are the holiest of days, and they're so unique, they're so holy, they're so um, important to us that we actually mark their passing in the ancient way of a day passing. Not sunrise to sunrise, but rather sunset to sunset. And so the, the Triduum begins on Holy Thursday, at nightfall mm -hmm. so the evening of holy thursday to the evening of whole of good friday is the first day the evening of good friday to the evening of holy uh, good uh holy saturday is the second day the evening of holy saturday to the evening of easter mm -hmm. sunday is the third day and so triduum officially begins at sunset on holy thursday and it ends on sunset at on uh, easter sunday very good so what do I tell my colleague about eating those cookies? Nice going, Mark. <laughs> Shouldn't be having cookies at any way during lunch. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on for another few hours. <laughs> the thing is now, with the whole sense of having held the season of Lent, maybe just another simple thing. People have said to me, you know, Christmas is December 25th. Whenever it happens to be, it's December 25th. Why does Easter keep changing this year, April 17th? I know two years ago it was April 13th. Last year I forgot the date. It can be March 31st. It can be April 20th. So maybe to qu answer the question, when's the very earliest Easter Sunday can be when the latest is? And, and how is Easter Day determined? Wendy, why don't you take how Easter Day is determined? 
So it has to do with uh, the lunar cycle. So it is the first Sunday after the first full moon after the spring equinox. I get that right? Say that one more time. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. So it's based on a lunar cycle. So that's why it changes so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it is the first Sunday after the first full moon after the spring equinox. Which is usually so around know, March equinox, 21st. You know, is that marking that point where we have as much daylight as we have nighttime. And so it'll be the first Sunday after the full moon after that. And I know Carmen is saying, how about sports for 400 for a question? (laughs) (laughs) Carmen, what what do you remember about um, your family and celebrating uh, the Triduum? Well, the Triduum, for me, was just go to, to, well, I'm I'm Mexican, so for the Hispanic community, there's a little, little difference. Yeah, um, Holy Thursday, yeah, that's the last supper we go. Um, and some of the parishes, they give a blessing bread uh, to take it to the, to the home. And sometimes it's the, the bread of, um, it's not changing the Eucharistic, you know, but it's a meaningful too, that this is the bread for the, the way, the road that we're going to pass these three days. Mm-hmm. So it's both the crazy, but also the bread, and also the bread go home for those who cannot make it. It's similar to, to the Eucharistic, but it's a connection. Mm-hmm. Then um, Holy Friday. Um, Holy Friday is, uh, we can say, uh, the big event that happened. And most of the community, the Hispanic community, related on um, Jesus because he suffered. Mm-hmm. He suffered, you know. And a lot of people walk with him during this, uh, the way the cross, mm-hmm. reminded that we are so suffering, that we we know that he's coming through the, the way the cross. And you see, amongst the Hispanic community, there are more people on Good Friday than Saturday and Sunday. Oh. Why? Because we stay there in the suffering. We still not passing the resurrection. Mm-hmm. We there. And we know that it's going to be a resurrection, that God is going to, uh, you know, walk with us and other ways, but we stay there. And then we skip Saturday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is the big event, you know, in the video. And then we return to Sunday. Beautiful. Now, Just beautiful. Now, along those lines, mm-hmm. Todd, why is the Triduum so, so important? Oh, my goodness. <clears throat> It's as Carmen and Wendy and I talk about uh, all the time with this. It's, it's the Triduum is the very center of our lives as Catholics. Um, the whole liturgical year is uh, determined by the Triduum, by by the the dates of the Triduum. These are um, th- these are the these are the days of the Paschal Mystery of Christ, where we commemorate and enter into and encounter the very Paschal Mystery of Christ: His life, His death his suffering, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension into glory, his promise of sending the Spirit. This this is at the heart of who we are as baptized Catholics, members of the body of Christ. Now, something we can talk about later in the program, because we're going to break down Holy Thursday, Good Friday, the Vigil, and Easter, and it's this. When you have the resurrection accounts, we do not have an account of Jesus coming out of the tomb mm-hmm. like a play-by-play. 
and people have asked why. What we do have is not so much a play-by-play account of Jesus coming out of the tomb. We have accounts of the reactions of the followers of the Lord that those who ran like crazy for fearful of their lives now become very faith-filled and strong in the Lord, even unto death. So the accounts are not about the Lord coming out of the tomb like a play-by-play, but rather those who were witnesses to the resurrection, which I find so fascinating. We'll talk more about that later on in the program. And uh, let me ask you this, uh, Wendy. What does the Triduum entail? I know, first of all, in parishes, there's a tremendous amount of work involved. Holy Thursday, Good Friday, the Vigil, Easter Sunday. And this is the time of year in which thousands of people come back. And the Cardinal Supich has made it very clear. He said, for those who have been home the last two years because of the pandemic, come from the dead and now join us back to church. Come back again. Come back to life. And many, many thousands have been watching on television, which is where they were, but say, now go back to your parishes. So really, what does this whole thing entail, these 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 holy days? You know, it is, uh, as Todd said, it's the absolute center of our lives as Christians. One way to look at it is, as Sunday is to the week, the Triduum is to the year. It has that, that much of a heightened importance. And so we revolve around it, and we worship together, and liturgy means the work of the people, and we work really hard during the Triduum, all of us. Those behind the scenes who are setting everything up are preparing for the once a year things that happen. Do we have enough um, uh, the things that we need for foot washing? Do we get our holy oils at the chrism mass that we can present on, on Holy Thursday? Uh, where's the cross? Who's being um, initiated into the church this year? There's so many details there. So that's all happening kind of behind the scenes. And then for the faithful who are coming to these liturgies, again, there's these once a year experiences. On Holy Thursday, we hear the account of Jesus walking of the disciples, which was such a radical, scandalous thing to do. And then right in front of us, people's feet are washed. That's not something we see every day. People aren't usually comfortable touching each other's feet. But in this absolute uh, notion of humility and service, uh, people's feet are washed. Uh, on Good Friday, we walk forward, and as Carmen said, we connect our suffering to the suffering on the cross. Jesus died for our sins, um, but we know that we're not in, a, in, in the kingdom yet. And so we're suffering. And so we profoundly place our suffering before the cross. There's so much movement. There's procession on uh, the Easter vigil. We start outside. We kindle a new fire. We all process into the church. Um, movement maybe to the baptismal font for baptism. And so people are uh, working at this liturgy. But it's not just a matter of um, putting on a play or reenacting something that happened 2,000 years ago. We are in the moment when feet are being washed. Jesus is present. Jesus is washing the feet of our friends um, in our midst. And so it's not just a matter of recreating something that happened in the past. It's a matter of putting ourselves into the salvation story and making it happen anew. Every year when we experience the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus in the Paschal Mystery, in the Triduum, it's ourselves that are taking place in that. We're not just watching. Beautiful. We're going to be back. Thank you, Wendy. WNDZ, 750 AM, Catholic Chicago, 312-255-8408. You can go to YouTube.com and see us. We'll continue our conversation on the Triduum, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday. We'll be back in a few minutes. Please stay tuned.
Did you know that Catholic Charities accepts car donations? If you're ready to free up space in your garage and put a stop to all those expenses that go along with owning a car, we will gratefully accept your donation, whether the car is running or not. You choose a pickup time that is convenient for you, and we will make the donation as easy as possible free of charge. You'll receive a charitable donation receipt as well. We accept all types of vehicles nationwide, and you will know that your donation is made to Catholic Charities, an agency you can trust. To learn more about donating your car, call 877-786-4483. That's 877-786-4483. Thank you. As we prepare to celebrate this Easter, there is a special joy in being able to return to our parish communities after two years of pandemic separation. It is not unlike the joy experienced by the first disciples when Jesus returned to them risen from the dead. The stories of the resurrection not only recount what happened to Jesus, but even more so, what happened to his disciples. This event created in them a sense of belonging and the awareness of making a difference in the world rather than living for themselves. I'm encouraging all of you to look upon this Easter as a homecoming and a chance to discover once again the presence of Christ together with your parish community. Easter offers a promise that God does not abandon us. He raised his son Jesus from the dead to remind us that we are all his children and so we should never abandon one another. Happy Easter. back WNDZ 750 AM on your dial Catholic Chicago 312255840 and go to youtube.com we're with Todd Williamson Wendy Silvahavy and Carmen Arroyo from the Office of Divine Worship if you folks can indulge me just for a second we're going to be talking about Holy Thursday but I thought I'd start with a question for Father Greg um, institution of the sacrament of the priesthood and, and in many um, parishes I've been, the priests make a recommitment um, to their priestly ministry. What's that like for you on Holy Thursday? It's a great question, Mark. It's uh, very, very powerful because we had the Chrism Mass. Of course, Todd was there, Wendy and Carmen on Tuesday. And the Cardinal's homily was about the priesthood. And again, it'll be, you know, with Holy Thursday recommitting. It's powerful in the sense that you can get so busy year-round serving the people of God that I always find that for Holy Thursday, it gives me a chance to really reconnect and remember my anniversary, mm-hmm. May 9th, 1979, with my classmates. I pray for those who have died, or those no longer with us. And I just find it to be 
it's a time of reflection. It's also a time of giving thanks because when I was in the seminary, we were taught that priesthood's a life of giving, a life of service, but I have received more from people mm. these last 43 years than I've ever, ever been able to give. And so I just thank God for the gift of priesthood, serving the people of God. It's been a profound journey. It's gone by so quickly. I can't believe that being 69 years old, many of my classmates will be retiring next year upon mm -hmm. their 70th birthday. I don't intend to, and it's all based upon the health. But that's a great question, but I just find Holy Thursday, as Todd was saying and Wendy and Carmen earlier, these are the holiest days of the mm -hmm. year and so very special. And for people to say, well, let's get these days over with and get, let's get back to normal next Monday, it's missing the whole point. It's like many people say, I can't wait until December 26th when Christmas is <laughs> over, mm -hmm. all the hustle and bustle, and you're missing the moment. Because when you think about it, with the, with the Triduum, one time a year, it won't happen again for about another year. If you're 50 years old and live to 80, that gives you 30 more triduums the rest of your life. That's not too many. Mm -hmm. In my case, it's going to even be less. I'm pushing 70 <laughs> as we take one day at a time. So that was a great question. Nice. Maybe a question I have for one of you is either Todd or Wendy or Carmen. What is the heart of Holy Thursday? I think Wendy touched into it a little bit ago when she was briefly talking about the, the washing of feet. Um, I, I, I think at the heart of, of Holy Thursday is, is self-emptying in, 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 in imitation of Christ, who did so, as, as Wendy said, in uh, demonstrating that in, in the washing of his apostles' feet and in the giving of himself in the Eucharist, which is also commemorated that night. Uh, it, 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 I, I think it's, it's, it calls us to empty ourselves, to, to give ourselves over. I think that's the very heart of, of Holy Thursday. In, again, in imitation of Christ, who did it first and completely. Now, maybe along those lines, uh, Carmen, with your tradition and your childhood and now adulthood, is what do you see the significance of Holy Thursday in your life and also the life of your the people of the, of the Hispanic Mexican community? Oh, this is like that saying is to, uh, to empty us to, to live, to love the neighbor, mm. to forgive, to, to be simple, to be, uh, to serve, to serve the others. That's the importance of the holy, and this is why, well, my catechist or my grandma, my mom that passed away, they had taught me during these um, years. This is the love that Jesus gave us the, with the Father, because Jesus come to teach us how, how God loved us, and now he is this, hey, I love you so much. And I'm giving myself to you. So forgive, but also give yourself to others. It's the Holy, what is Holy Thursday for many of us. It's just remembers that love, but that's so that we have to be a sample of that love. That's very others. powerful. Very powerful. Thank you very much, uh, Carmen. Do you know, uh, when Todd, you were talking about self emptying and maybe 
I'd ask Wendy this, uh, the, the image and the ritual of washing the feet. Actually, we were at dinner last night, and the subject came up. What, just so people don't people understand, what are, what are the parameters of that in terms of inclusion and all, all of those issues in terms of washing of the feet? Because it's changed over the years. Yeah, yeah, it certainly has. Uh, it used to actually be prescribed that, that men's feet were to be washed, and that was lifted um, a few years ago. And so anyone's feet may be washed uh, by the church. And you'll see uh, Pope Francis washing the feet of Christians and non-Christians. Hmm. Uh, you'll see Pope Francis washing the feet of those who are profoundly disabled. Uh, you'll see Pope Francis washing the feet of the homeless. And so all of that, all of humanity needs to be incorporated. As for, you know, all was being reminded, we need to go to the margins. And I think Holy Thursday is the time we really need to go to the margins. So, you know, in my opinion, it's not the night to wash the feet of the parish council. Um, it's a night to wash the feet of the total representation of the church. Um, young, old, uh, differently abled. And so, again, just to recognize that we are to be in service to all humanity this is not a night and it can be i i'm you know i'm parish based and we love our parishioners it can be a night of kind of a love fest for those who are you know the heart of the parish the faithful mm -hmm. but we really need to work to um, go outside of our comfort zone go outside of um you know those people that are always faithful to the church and draw in those need Jesus in their lives. Uh, that's, a, along, that's, along, a great, that's a great insight. In great fact, insight. Along those lines, which you just said, Wendy, which is terrific, the reason we wash feet, because people say, well, Jesus, in our society, you know, go wash your hands. What people forget is in our Lord's time, they didn't have expensive shoes. They wore sandals and a lot of dust on the mm -hmm. road. Therefore, the washing of feet made a lot of sense because the feet got dirty. I mean, our, our feet get dirty today, we have shoes and socks on, and uh, but at least nice shoes. And but in the Lord's day, it was a whole different ball game. So it was a washing of feet and not of hands. But now, uh, Todd, for a moment, just connect the washing of feet with the institution of the Eucharist, where the Lord says, "Take and eat, and take and drink." But then, then, and then it truly then connects to the whole sense of servant and service. Well, the Lord said, take and eat, take and drink in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But he doesn't say that in John. That is correct. Because in John, you have in the washing John, of the feet. In John, it is the washing of the feet. That is the, the, the Eucharistic institution. And Carmen made mention of this, and Wendy made mention of this, which it, it intimately connects that self-emptying, that service, that, um, that, that, act of abasement of, of kneeling down and washing another person's foot in humble service that's what the eucharist is that's be, that's being a eucharistic people but it's also interesting the one who's doing the washing it's one thing but people have said to me when i'm up there having my foot or feet washed i feel very embarrassed i feel yeah. vulnerable say something about that todd it's it's very humbling to to to, to have your foot washed. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I mean, it really we really do resonate with Peter. <laughs> you are not going to wash my feet. Um, it, to give yourself over, you said it, Father Greg. 
to, to be to make yourself vulnerable to allow another person to touch and to wash your feet mm-hmm. um, is that vulnerability that we're called to. And also, when you have your foot washed, in some ways you lose control because you just feel so self-conscious that you can't wash my feet, and yet I'd be okay to wash your feet. But also, there's that sense of losing control and being vulnerable and very humbling. Mark, take us to break. Sure. WNDZ, 750 AM, Catholic Chicago, 312-255-8408, or you can go to youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago. We'll be back with Todd Williamson, Wendy Silhavy, Carmen Arroyo. Continue our conversation on the Triduum. We'll be talking about Good Friday and how that impacts our lives. We'll be back in a few minutes. Please stay tuned. Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Chicago is looking for mission-driven individuals who want to help make a positive difference in the lives of people in need throughout Cook and Lake Counties. Be part of a diverse, talented team of professionals in the largest human services organization in the Midwest. We are dedicated to helping people chart a more stable, happier future for themselves, and we accompany anyone in need, regardless of faith, gender, race, or ethnicity. Competitive salaries and generous benefits add to the satisfaction you'll have every day knowing that you're helping us amplify our impact in Chicago. To see our list of employment opportunities, visit catholiccharities.net. We are at the Most Blessed Trinity Parish Food Pantry in Waukegan. And here we uh, care for people in need. There was definitely an uptick in the needs for services. We doubled our volume after COVID hit. From servicing about 250 families a week to about 500 a week. We supply bread, tortillas, vegetables, milk, cheese, butter, uh, proteins, fish, chicken, eggs. Well, the annual Catholic Appeal has been a tremendous help to us, especially over the past year and a half. Without the annual Catholic appeal, we might have to close our doors. Um, our parish is the largest one in the archdiocese, but it's very poor. We think about food and we think about nourishment, but we also nourish the soul, provide that connection to humanity. The good works here are made possible through the annual Catholic appeal. Make your gift at annualcatholicappeal.com. We're back, WNDZ, 750 AM, Catholic Chicago, 
888-255-8408, or you can go to youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago. Father Greg, you have a question. Question for one of you, and that is, um, here we are, and I'll move to tomorrow, Good Friday. And here it's Good Friday. Why is it called not Terrible Friday, <laughs> Bad Friday, Sad mm. Friday, Horrible Friday? We call it Good Friday. So I guess my question for one of you is, what's so good about Good Friday? <laughs> if we didn't have Good Friday, there would be no Easter Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> Good Friday, because the, the, the message, the belief, the truth about this Friday that we mark is that because of it, we are saved. Yeah, there is no resurrection Wendy or Carmen, without if you Good want Friday. To add anything? No, I think that's absolutely the heart of it. Yeah. It's, you we know, have to go into the tomb to experience the resurrection. It's yeah, interesting, it's true. Uh, and maybe you folks have experienced it also, um, particularly at St. Josephat's. My wife would coordinate uh, living stations of the cross with the young people. This was some years back. They, When she runs into them now, they still talk about the impact that that had in their lives to see the suffering and to really experience it. Carmen, you had talked about um, that in terms of the Hispanic community. How, how does that suffering impact our lives today? Well, they there's an impact. I'm more now in the with the pandemic that we're suffering in different ways without work, jobs. Uh, you know, uh, some people working uh, from home uh, with kids mm -hmm. uh, that are not going to school, uh, depression. There's a lot of things and right now that impact. And and like I say, uh Good Friday, but also we can call that Friday of Sorrow. Is that you know that we are like I said in the beginning, is we're suffering with Jesus and we are suffering right now. So how we can um <coughs> see the light, the resurrection, we have to die to come into the light to the resurrection that is uh, going to happen in the, in the Sunday. Now, Carmen, I have to um, ask you a question. That is, you know, you always find in the newspaper, in the Sun-Times Tribune on Saturday, pictures from Good Friday in the Pilsen neighborhood, mm -hmm. the way of the cross in the Pilsen community, that mm -hmm. just talk about in the Hispanic tradition, Mexican tradition, that talk about reenacting the crucifixion in the Pilsen community, it's taken very, very seriously with thousands showing up. Rain, snow, sun. Yes. They're out there. So say more about that. Yeah. And this year, there is, uh, there's going to be the 45th uh, annual uh, way of the, of the cross in, in Pilsen. It's the, the one of the first that starts, and they still continue. They start in. Um, um, was a parish, uh, providence of God with the last supper, mm -hmm. you know, that's there at 9 a.m. Uh, tomorrow, and then there's a procession to, to the 18th Street until uh, Harrison Park, so that ends with the crucifixion. And the person that they, they choose to be Jesus has to be the person between 30 and 33 years. Oh. Mm. Uh, Yes, there has to be, you know, certain um, 
qualities for the person. And the person, what I hear from the previous is that they want to see, it's not comparison, it's not compared to what Jesus did, you know, the, the heavy cross and everything, but they say, I want to walk the same step that Jesus. Mm -hmm. And after that, they say, this was a powerful, you know, and they make a change in their lives. And I saw those who walk all the, um, I really, I don't know how many miles are from eight, um, province of God to Harrison. But uh, sometimes we call having years that is snowy that day. Yes. You mm -hmm. know, and they're still walking. And last year, no, two years ago when the pandemic started, everything canceled and they did it. They you know, with a few it. people walking, but yes. And now this is different parishes that has done uh, that way the cross. It's not just Pilsen. They go to certain communities. San Rita Cassia, they're going to have tomorrow. Um, there's, um, uh, Don't they meet downtown, too? Exactly, downtown the way the cross. tomorrow, mm -hmm. yes, with Bishop Robin, Bishop and the, the, Bishop, um, and the cathedral. Right. They start also. I have a hidden information, I think. Um, I well, let's do this. Uh, I, I, I wanted to go to Wendy and continue this conversation on the cross, the veneration of the cross. Could you explain that in terms of our, our Good Friday service? Yes, it's, again, one of those uh, many processions that happen during the course of the Triduum where we, we actually get actively involved. Again, it, it really takes us out of watching worship happen and to really uh, participating physically in worship. And so we're invited to go forward. This year it's a little bit different because we're still, you know, trying to work our way out of the pandemic. So um, we won't be like kissing or touching the cross out oh, of safety, that's right. that's but right. it's, it's a it's a way to place yourself in front of the cross um, in humbleness to join your suffering with the suffering on the cross um, and in community. It's not just your own personal suffering. It's, it's the whole community joining, joining its failings, joining its suffering to the cross. And as Todd said, we have to acknowledge this, that we're, we're sinful, hurting people. Um, before we can experience the joy of the resurrection. Mm -hmm. Do you realize that in, in 2019? I, go ahead, go ahead, Todd, go ahead. Just to add to that, because I think Wendy just hit it right on the head, and Father Greg, this is what you started this segment on. Why is it good? I mean, all of that, it proclaims a very fundamental part of our faith, and that is that we believe, no matter what the cross is in our lives, we believe the cross never has the last word. That's why we embrace it, as Wendy said, and that's why it's good. Now, now uh, along, along those lines, about 20 years ago, I saw a great cartoon that showed a gentleman carrying his cross, and attached to the cross, there were training wheels. So the cross dragged smoothly across the ground as he, as he carried his cross, rolling it. And I said, in life, we cannot carry a cross with training wheels attached to it. We carry our crosses, and their suffering is a part of life, if we like it or not. Now, there's something very interesting. Three years ago, at this point, um, Good Friday in 2019, was pre-pandemic. In 2020, I remember Easter was on Sunday, April 13th, yesterday. The cathedral and all parishes were literally shut down. Nothing during Holy Week or the Triduum Easter Sunday. It was one of the saddest times of my priesthood. The doors were locked because of the severity of the pandemic. And last year, 
in 2021, the doors were open. But again, we're just still coming out of the pandemic. We're still in the pandemic. So it's still a little bit changed. But um, again, it doesn't take away. But I mean, we're expecting, I think, huge crowds today, tomorrow, for Easter. People are coming back because they're starting to feel safe to some degree once again. So uh, I just find that, and maybe you could explain that the whole purpose of the adoration and veneration of the cross is that we walk in the steps of Jesus. And and the real suffering. I, I just I thought I haven't thought of this in years, but there was a movie years ago. I took our son and daughter. They were teenagers. To Passion of Christ. It's a controversial movie, but it really showed Jesus's suffering. Mm-hmm. The following Sunday, we were at mass, and our son's kneeling next to me, and the elevation of the host. This is my body. The elevation of the cup. This is my. I mean, this is my blood. And he leaned over to me. He said, I will never hear those words the same way again. Well, and he was well, a teenager? Yeah, and I thought, it's real suffering, but he connected it. He connected the suffering to the Eucharist. And I thought, um, wow. I, I, I thought, that's, that's, a, that's quite a statement and an impact from a, young, a younger person. Um, if if we're looking at Good Good Friday, um, what's the best way for people to prepare for Good Friday? Participate in Holy Thursday. Ah, and, and enter enter into the Triduum. The best way to prepare for Good Friday is by um, observing the whole Triduum um, and 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 seeing each of these days as a preparation for the next day. Um, the, the Good Friday is, like we said, it's, it's, it's not a reenactment. It's not, Good Friday isn't awake. It's not like we don't know the end of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, Good Friday will help us by having us confront our crosses, embracing our crosses. That prepares us for the next day, the Easter Vigil. Okay. One of the things that I think is wonderful about the Triduum, and if you're paying close attention, you'll see this. When we end Holy Thursday, we don't end with a closing prayer and a sign of the cross and we go our way. We end with the transfer of the Eucharist, and we just flow out of the church. And then when we come back on Good Friday, we just flow into the church. There's not an opening prayer. It's almost like we just, it is like, we just picked back up with worship. So we went away for a little while to pray, to rest, Mm -hmm. and then we came back together. So it's this seamless worship when we end on Good Friday, again, the liturgy ends without that closing and, you know, the dismissal that we usually find. Um, well, of course, Good Friday is not a mass, but we, we almost always end with the, the blessing and the sign of the cross and the dismissal. We don't end that way on Good Friday either. We flow from Good Friday into the Easter Vigil. And when we pick back up at the Easter Vigil, we gather outside. So whatever time has passed, it's as if no time has passed. Mm-hmm. So it's the seamless worship. You can't isolate one day or one moment of the triduum it's this complex of worship that really begins holy thursday as todd said ends on easter sunday with vespers and it's this constant flow of worship that we participate in that's an excellent so, point in mm-hmm. yeah we don't lines. isolate we don't we don't stop on the cross <laughs> if you take the whole sense of lent flowing into the triduum is i like the word repent we always talk about you know conversion change of heart repentance repent Another word for repent is to 
rethink what changes do we need to make in our lives. To repent, to rethink means what can I start looking at to maybe see something differently. So repent, rethink. Mark, take us to break. Sure. WNDZ. 7.50 a.m., 312-255-8408. You're listening to Catholic Chicago, or you can go to youtube.com slash catholicchicago. We're with Todd Williamson, Wendy Silhavy, Carmen Arroyo, and we're continuing our conversation on the Trigram when we get back, and we'll be speaking about Holy Saturday, uh, the vigil, our celebration as a people of faith. We'll be back in a few minutes. Please stay tuned. Charities, we fight hunger in Chicago throughout the year. Our six regional offices in Cook and Lake Counties work together to offer sit-down and to-go meals to anyone in need. We deliver meals to those who are homebound, and our eight food pantries offer three to four days of food supplies based on household size. Participants in these programs have the opportunity to learn about other Catholic charity services that strengthen individuals, families, and their communities. The challenges for those dealing with food insecurity are especially great during the winter months. To learn how you can help those who are hungry in your neighborhood, visit catholiccharities.net or call 312-655-7525. That's 312-655-7525. Thank you for your generosity. As we prepare to celebrate this Easter, there is a special joy in being able to return to our parish communities after two years of pandemic separation. It is not unlike the joy experienced by the first disciples when Jesus returned to them risen from the dead. The stories of the resurrection not only recount what happened to Jesus, but even more so, what happened to his disciples. This event created in them a sense of belonging and the awareness of making a difference in the world rather than living for themselves. I'm encouraging all of you to look upon this Easter as a homecoming and a chance to discover once again the presence of Christ together with your parish community. Easter offers a promise that God does not abandon us. He raised his son Jesus from the dead to remind us that we are all his children. And so we should never abandon one another. Happy Easter.
We're back, WNDZ 750 AM, Catholic Chicago, 312-255-8408, or you can go to youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago. Continue our conversation on the Triduum. We're going to be speaking now about Holy Saturday, um, maybe Wendy. Why don't we start with the Exalted? I've been involved in liturgy for years and years, and what a powerful, powerful greeting for people uh, during uh, Holy Saturday. You want to speak to that a little bit? Sure. So when we gather, like I mentioned, you know, we bless the fire, we bring the candle into the church, the candle that represents Christ our light. And then we sing this beautiful prayer that talks about our salvation history and talks about Christ in the center of our lives. And we sing the story of how Christ came to be the light of the world. And we sing the story of how the candle, the, the fruit of the bees, mm-hmm. came to be the central symbol in our lives of Christ. And we're all holding our small candles taken from that Christ light as we're hearing this beautiful prayer being sung. Um, it's traditionally sung by the deacon. So if your parish has a singing deacon, that's wonderful. It can be sung by others as well. Uh, but I think when it's presented in just a simple chant and we really listen to the words, um, it sets us up so beautifully for uh, what we've, what's already happened in our Triduum and what's going to be coming, um, this you know, profound self-giving of, of Jesus um, in our midst. That's a, so yes, it's a beautiful prayer. It's a great summary, Wendy. Uh, just for a moment, Todd, and that is we begin in total, total darkness. Speak about that for a moment. We begin in 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 the shadow of the cross, right? The, that darkness. Um, and and one of the thing I, I I don't know that that many many of us realize is that symbolism between light and darkness is terribly important for the unpacking the full meaning of the Easter vigil. Um, we begin in darkness and light a blazing fire. Blazing is is the, one of the tra- uh, translations of the Latin used in the Missal, a blazing fire. And the idea is that that symbolism is what we are all about on uh, Holy Saturday night, that the light of the world, right, which is Christ. Uh, John says it in the prologue, the light shines in the darkness, the darkness does not overcome it. That light is Christ. And who literally transforms the darkness, who literally chases the darkness away. That's the Paschal mystery. That's life through death. And so the darkness, Father Greg, is is terribly important in terms of the symbolism of Holy Saturday. Now, let me ask a question for you, uh, Carmen. When you were a little girl, young lady, you've spoken so much about Good Friday you know, getting caught up into the sufferings of Jesus and even into uh, the vigil in Easter. Was you, what are your thoughts about Holy Saturday? Because you get in, the, in your tradition, it's so caught up with the sufferings of Christ and the, the Pilsen, the way of the walk of the, of the cross on Good Friday, that just in your own tradition, speak about the importance of Holy Saturday, the vigil. Well, for me, uh, for the Hispanics, it's, um, it's like a holiday. What's <laughs> not holiday, but it's okay. Jesus rides. It's um, Holy Saturday. It's a 
in the night is already the resurrection star. Mm -hmm. We're we not waiting until Sunday. Saturday is the resurrection already. You know, we skip from Friday to Saturday. So we're not going to Sunday. And and it's already, Jesus already died, he's rise, and we continue our lives. Uh, now, since the, I always been involved in the church, and for me, that's a busy day, you know, preparing everything in the parish to celebrate the vigil. And now I was a part of the DRE. It's like Holy Sorry was uh, meaningful for me because it's uh, where the catechumens receive the mm -hmm. sacraments. So it's a powerful to receive those two new members in our church. It's about when they were baptized, when they received the Holy Spirit, that oils. It's a powerful moment. And also for the community and for those who are receiving the sacraments. Beautiful. So this That's is my great. experience. Thank you, Carmen. Now, Tad, what about um, the liturgy of the word? So at Our Lady of Pompeii, Richard Fragami, Father Richard Fragamini, uh, we begin on the steps of the church with the creation story. And then we move to the hall where we have the liturgy of the word. And then we move to church for the uh, baptism Eucharist. But anyway, speak to, uh, why don't you explain to folks the liturgy of the word that evening? What what What's the strategy? What's the, the theology behind what we share? We share quite a few readings. Yeah, yeah. The liturgy of the word on Holy Saturday is unlike any other liturgy of the word throughout the year. And and even, we even look at the pattern. The pattern is different. Um, on Holy Saturday, we proclaim scripture and then we sing a psalm, mm -hmm. and then we pray, mm -hmm. and that's the pattern. Scripture, psalm, prayer. Scripture, response, prayer. Mm -hmm. it, it, that, that pattern of literally being in dialogue with God uh, through that. And, um, and you, you said it, Mark, we hear the liturgy of the word is literally the vigil part, mm -hmm. <laughs> where we vigil, where we wait, where we tell our stories. And the reason why we have more readings uh, during Liturgy of the Word then is because on this night, on this most important night, we tell the story, capital T, capital H, the story of God's love affair with humanity since the very beginning of time. Mm -hmm. We tell salvation history because this night is going to be the next chapter in that long story of God's love affair with humanity. And then along those lines, we move through the uh, vigil when you speak about the importance of the baptism initiation on this night. Now, just a little sidebar. Many people have said to me, oh, I don't want to go to the Easter vigil. That's the long one, and <laughs> which is so sad because if you were to pick one... Shorter than a Marvel movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if you were to pick one liturgy to be at in the whole year, I would say the Easter vigil. That is the, that, that night is so powerful and even words get into the way, but when people say, oh, I'm not going to that one, that's when it goes two, two and a half hours, forget it, give me, give me a shorter one. And, but now speak about baptism initiation. You know, I think if a parish is really actively involved in walking with those who will be received into the church, then the Easter Vigil makes all the sense in the world, and you want to be there because you want to be there to uh, support, you know, these people that you've been walking this journey with who are now going to be joining the church that you love. 
Uh, and so I think that makes a huge difference. So you can't isolate the uh, Easter vigil as one night without preparing for it all year long. So if people know that, you know, we'll be telling our salvation history. I mean, who doesn't want to hear the stories of their family? Uh, we'll be receiving into the church those who have been, you know, walking and working and learning and, you know, struggling for months and months, maybe years. We need to be there for them. Uh, we sing the Alleluia for the first time in over 40 days. I mean, how exciting is that? I'm a musician, but that that excites me. Um, so, you know, and it really leads up to this high point of the vigil, which is receiving um, new brothers and sisters into our Catholic faith and into the um, into our Christian tradition. So, uh, but we need to build to that. So it's a mountaintop experience that we're reaching all year long. Um, and when we build that into people's formation, then the Easter Vigil becomes something that they absolutely want to be at. And I would encourage folks, my experience over the years is people rest into the word, the liturgy of the word. It may We're not a society that sits back and rests. We're always running, running, running. And if people really are open, and, and it's interesting because at Pompeii, at the end of the whole, uh, the whole Easter vigil, there's a celebration. People gather and you know, are with each other, and and it's like you've been through something wonderful together. together. We need to end the program. I want to say this: resurrection is not only about the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. Resurrection is also about us calling us to new life, new beginnings with the help and grace of God. This has been a fantastic one hour. It's gone by wonderful, so fast. We want to thank in a very special way Todd Williamson, Wendy Silhavy, and Carmen Arroyo. You know, Todd and Wendy and Carmen, we could have gone all morning until noon just mm-hmm. talking about Also, you know, Mark, I love their enthusiasm. When oh, they yeah. talk, you're like jumping out of your seats and talking. And off the air, we said this should be something we send to every parish. Every parish what should, a wonderful should catch this hour. way to learn about the Triduum. want to thank in a always special way our producer and directors and uh, choreographers, <laughs> Michael May <laughs> and Javi Garcia. To all our listeners, God bless. Blessed Triduum to all. Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.